podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on the day of Liverpool versus Arsenal in the League Cup semi-final second leg at the Emirates Stadium. The Reds travel south to London to take on Arsenal in a game that will define who plays Chelsea in this year's EFL Cup final. And you have to say, we should be confident going into this one. Now, we don't know what Arsenal's team is going to look like on the basis that they've been lying about injuries. So we don't know who's available, who's not. What we do know is that Granit Xhaka is suspended. Thomas Partey won't be back in time to play. Uh, El Nenny, Pepe and Aubameyang are unavailable. What's unclear is the fitness of Tomiyasu, the fitness of Smith Rowe. Uh, you'll remember that Arteta had said if they that they, they could have made the first leg, uh, but that they would be back for Spurs, and then all of a sudden they were too injured to play against Spurs. Cedric Soares picked up an injury in the first leg, but he may well be back. Callum Chambers and Kieran Tierney are listed as doubts, even though they looked fine coming off at Anfield. Bakayo Saka, Arteta tried to claim, was injured, but he was clearly just exhausted. Um, and Martin Odegaard had COVID, but should be back. They did leak about a second COVID case over the weekend to try and cover the tracks, but nothing ever came of that and was never announced who that was. So I would expect they'll be close enough to full strength. I think they'll have something along the lines of Ramsdale and goal, Tomiyasu right back, Tierney left back. I would have a guess that maybe it's White and Gabriel at centre-back with Lakonga and Odegaard in central midfield. And then Saka, Smith-Rowe and Martinelli behind Lacazette. There is the possibility that Ben White plays in midfield and Rob Holding comes in at centre-back. They could go to a back three, um, as they've done before, as they did when they lost uh, Xhaka in the first leg. But we'll have to wait and see. But I think they'll be close enough to full strength. Uh, For ourselves, there'll be no Divock, there'll be no Thiago, no Nat Phillips, no Harvey Elliott, no Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, no Sadio Mane, no Mo Salah, and no Naby Keita, the latter three. Obviously away at the AFCON, all performing quite well. Naby, probably the player of the uh, tournament so far. Sadio and Mo doing what they do uh, to varying degrees for their national team. And then the five lads who are injured as well. So we'll we'll be without some. Um, you kind of would expect that in defence, it'll be the first choice back four of Trent, Joel, Virgil and Robbo with Alisson behind them, Fabinho in front of them. Henderson and Curtis Jones probably start either side of Fabinho. Firmino will start. Jota will start. The question mark is over the third attacker. There's two options, and that's really it. Cade Gordon or Taki Minamino. I expect Taki to play. Um, I mean, there's the possibility that Nico Williams could play there. I don't think any of us want to see that. There's the possibility that Milner plays in midfield and Curtis plays in the front three. Again, I don't think anyone wants to see that. So I think Taki, Bobby and Jota in whatever uh, setup is the, the most likely outcome with Cade maybe coming off the bench. It should be enough to beat them. They're, they're not very good. They, they might claim that they're back, but let's remember they are behind Spurs in the table now. 
Spurs have a game in hand, still have to play Arsenal on their home pitch. And Spurs have massively underperformed this season. Harry Kane has not been good. Youngman's son has not been particularly good. Romero has barely played. They've all three of them to look forward to seeing more from in the back half of the season. And they're ahead of Arsenal already. Um, I've said all along, I think Arsenal finished seventh or eighth this season. I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust the goalkeeper. I don't trust Ben White. I don't like anything they have in midfield other than Thomas Partey. The group of players behind the striker, Odegaard, Smith, Rowe, Sack and Martinelli, they're outstanding young players, but they're young players. They're going to be inconsistent. They don't have a reliable goal scorer. Um, so I, I don't I don't worry too much. I think we beat them tonight. It'll be a tough game though. Um it will be a tough game at the Emirates under the lights. It'll be it'll be one that they're probably going to be up for. They'll have a packed house. I was gonna say cheering them on, but that's not really what happens at the Emirates. It's more a smattering of applause followed by some boos. But you know, they'll do what they do. Arsenal fans have clung to the fact that we cancelled or we requested the postponement of the first leg uh, due to the uh, the COVID issue. Uh, Simon Hughes has written an article in The Athletic today, which has further fueled more nonsense. And they've gone hunting, have the Arsenal fans. And what they found is that Kenny Dalglish's daughter, Lauren, works for the lab who returned the positive tests. And they think they found something here, except that they're ignoring the fact that she's the commercial manager, has nothing to do with the science side of things, and is highly unlikely, highly unlikely, to want to jeopardise her career and her reputation by having somebody falsify results. Like th- These people are very, very strange, grasping at any straw they can and trying to distract attention from the fact that they lied about injuries at the weekend because they were scared to play uh, Spurs. Uh, You've had Arteta talking absolute nonsense in the press, talking about how he'll fight to defend his club. You shouldn't lie then, Mikel. That would be the, the, the first thing to do is not tell lies. And then nobody will have doubts about your club. Uh, He came out and cried about Arsenal having to play games in the first three weeks of the season without their full team. He seemed to be crying about the fact that they couldn't play Tomiyasu, who they didn't own. If you look at the team they played, it was about as strong as they could have played at the time. They were without Lacazette and Aubameyang in the first game. But let's be fair, Aubameyang has been awful this season. It's not like Lacazette has been amazing. The the team that played against Brentford had Leno in goal. Chambers played right back. At the time, he was probably the first choice right back. They had Hector Bellerin on the bench. They could have played him. They played Ben White and Pablo Mari at centre-back. So they were missing Gabriel. They played Kieran Tierney, Lakonga, who they bought in the summer, and Xhaka, because Thomas Partey was injured. They had Nicolas Pepe right wing. Bakayo Saka was on the bench. So it's not like he wasn't there. Smith Rowe played in the 10 because they hadn't bought Odegaard yet. Martinelli played left wing where he's now playing. And Balogun started up front, who earns 40 grand a week. They had Bellerin, Saka, Maitland-Niles, Holding, Sores, Tavares, Nelson, 
El Nenny and a young backup goalkeeper. Like, who are they missing that was out for anything other than a minor injury or not being owned by Arsenal at that point in the season? It's the most bizarre excuse I've ever heard. But it's not surprising. You look at the Chelsea lineup. Ben White cried off because he was scared of Lukaku. Cedric played. He's played a bunch. Tierney was there. Mari was there. Lukonga, Xhaka, Pepe, Smith-Rowe, Saka and Martinelli up front. On the bench, Aubameyang, Maitland-Niles, Nuno Tavares, Callum Chambers, Reese Nelson, Elneny, Balogun, Klasnik and Aaron Ramsdale. I mean, who were they missing? Thomas Partey and Gabriel? That's it. They didn't own Odegaard. They didn't own Tomiyasu. Look at the Manchester City game. They played a back five. Cedric, Chambers, Holding, Kolasinac, Tierney at left back, Saka, Odegaard, Xhaka, Smith-Rowe and Aubameyang. On the bench, Lacazette, Maitland-Niles, Nuno Tavares, Mari, Lekonga, Elneny, Ramsdale, Okongwu, who's meant to be a huge prospect, and Mark Nelk. They were missing two players and a couple of lads they didn't own. And that's what Arteta is trying to claim was unfair. That he, he wasn't allowed play players that did not play for Arsenal at the time. And he had two injuries. Two injuries. And he's crying about it. All to try and excuse the fact that they lost all three games and look like a pub team. Didn't notice them crying when they played West Brom, and West Brom rested basically everybody and played a bunch of kids, and he went with Ramsdale, Chambers, Holding, Kolasinac, Tavares, Elneny, Xhaka, Pepe, Odegaard, Saka, and Aubameyang, with a bench of Leno, Lacazette, Smith-Rowe, Maitland-Niles, Mary Laconga, and Martinelli. West Brom couldn't even fill the bench. The six kids on the bench, and they're all kids you probably have never heard of. Look at the team they played. There's at least six or seven, maybe eight, young, young academy players in the team and six kids on the bench. The only notable players are Cedric Kipre, Robert Snodgrass, and Kenneth Zahore. Everybody else is basically a kid. Unless I'm missing something. But he wasn't crying about that when West Ham were, or when West Brom were ravaged. The most bizarre excuses, the most pathetic attempt I can remember by a manager to disguise the fact that his team stank the place out. Like even when they played Norwich, they had Gabrielle back and they brought in Tommy Asu, and that was it. There's no difference. What a sad, sad Lego-headed man. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, this is Anfield. Ten key things to know ahead of Arsenal versus Liverpool. What have we got here from Joanna Durkin? We've got the Arsenal situation, which is about their uh, fake injuries and the players they've loaned out. There's three of them gone on loan. One has had his contract terminated. But yet... They've been loaning out players and terminating contracts. Um, the players we know that are out are obviously Thomas, Elneny, Pepe and Xhaka. Uh, suggested Arsenal lineup here of Ramsdale, Tommy Asu, Holding, Gabriel, Tierney, 
White and Laconga in midfield, Saka, Smith, Rowe and Martinelli behind Lacazette. The Liverpool players that are out, how the Reds could line up, they've suggested Kelleher. I think I think Allison will start. Trent, Canate, Virgil, Costas, Fab, Henderson, Jones, and then the front three of Jota, Minamino and Firmino. Chelsea await the victor. Obviously, Chelsea have qualified for the final by beating Spurs. Uh, time to make it two from five. The Emirates has not been a kind, has not been too kind in the form of victories, obviously. But this would be our second win in five if we can get it. Pep Linders has said getting to Wembley is the goal. Uh, did you know that Jurgen Klopp has used a total of seventy-nine different players in twenty-two League Cup games? Allison played his first League Cup game in the semi-final first leg. There is a, a quiz you can actually do. If you click the link, you can do a quiz to name the 79 players. Uh, Martin Atkinson will be the the referee. Um, yeah, he's not good. He's definitely not good. And the game will be on Sky Sports, so do check that one out. There is a piece regarding two Liverpool, two potential Liverpool lineups. Um, there is a piece regarding Pep and Linda's press conference. And there is a piece about Reese Williams, whose recall from a disappointing loan at Swansea has been confirmed. He made only seven appearances for the Championship Club, which is um, which is disappointing, considering he he obviously played very very well for us at the end of last season. Russell Martin playing a back three immediately put Kyle uh, put Reese Williams on the back burner. Because the back three is not really going to suit him. It's a bit of a shame. It's a bit of a shame it hasn't worked. But look, he comes back as the fifth centre back, and Nat Phillips can be sold, and we haven't lost anything. Uh, on Liverpool.com, Liverpool can get a glimpse of future as Pep Linders hints exciting trio set for a chance. So, <clears throat> um, He's picked out, Linders has picked out three players to watch during his press conference ahead of this game. Bobby Clark, Luke Chambers and Stefan Basetic. If I'm not mistaken, Clark and Basetic joined last summer. Um, So they're hoping that they will come to train with the first team in preseason. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Bobby Clark is meant to be an enormous prospect. Like some have suggested he's the same level of prospect as Harvey and as Cade. I, I don't know. I, I don't watch the under 18s play, so I, I can't comment. Basetich came with a very, very high recommendation. He'd been at Celta Vigo. Um, he can play center back. He can play holding midfield. Maybe he's somebody that can get some minutes in the coming years as a backup to Fabinho. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, there's a predicted Liverpool team. They're suggesting that Cade Gordon could start. I'd be a little bit surprised. I'd be a little bit surprised if Cade Gordon started, I have to say. Uh, Not to say I don't think he's capable. I just don't think Klopp will risk starting him in such a high-pressure game. But I could definitely see him come off the bench. Liverpool hold 67 million transfer talks as Jurgen Klopp prepares contract off for PSG. This is the media digest. So Liverpool have been linked with Jules Kunde. I'd, I'd love Jules Kunde, but we'd have to play a back three. I'm not against that at all. 
I think a Kunde, Kanate, Virgil back three would be sensational and you'd have Joel, Joel, and maybe you bring Ben Davies back and just keep him around as a backup, left-footed centre-back. Barcelona inquiry made, Liverpool have made an inquiry allegedly about Gavi from Barca. Huge talent, massive talent, but I think he ends up staying there. Uh, Talks held over Luis Diaz, that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. 17-year-old PSG star Ishmael Garbi has been offered a contract by Liverpool according to reports in France. Uh, French journalist Fabrice Hawkins states the Reds have put an offer on the table for the French under-18 international. He's said to be disappointed at his chances at senior level under Maurizio Pochettino. He's played 43 minutes in cup competitions and Liverpool can offer a clearer pathway to the first team. Chelsea are also thought to be keen and Thomas Tuchel's side are monitoring the situation. Don't know anything about the kid, but what I do know is that PSG's academy produces an immense amount of high-caliber, high-ceiling young players. Very similar to Chelsea. Very, very similar approach to Chelsea. And as with Chelsea, the players rarely get their opportunity in the first team. So we've seen a lot of young players leave PSG over the last few years. A lot by free transfer. A lot just walk because they don't see any kind of pathway and then they sell on a bunch of others, which, you know, it's again, it's a similar approach to what Chelsea do. Liverpool have also been linked with Fabio Carvalho quite heavily in the last couple of days. Uh, the young attacking midfielder from Fulham, he qualifies for both Portugal and England. Uh, obviously, we've got form for going and nabbing a, a Fulham upcoming talent in Harvey. But this kid is is very, very talented. He looks... Very, very comfortable at the championship level. He's very happy to mix it, even though he's quite small. So I don't think you'd have any doubts about the physical side of things and the technical side. He is a standout player. There's absolutely no doubt he is a standout player. So somebody potentially that would make a lot of sense for Liverpool to bring in if he's available on what would be a you know a tribunal fee. In January, we've been linked again today to Usman Dembele. Um, Barcelona have come out and said that it's over. They will not be offering him another contract, that he has turned down the contract offers they've given him, that they want him to leave immediately. I don't see any club, bar Newcastle maybe, paying anything for him. I think they'd rather sign him on a free in the summer. Now, I don't think Liverpool will be one of the clubs who will have interest in him because, let's be honest, it's not like he's pulled up any trees at Barcelona. He's inconsistent, he's immature, and he's injury-prone. They're all red flags. Um, Mohamed Salah gets Liverpool contract prompt as Raheem Sterling leads wider 116.7 million unrest. Uh Okay, so that, that's just a silly figure that they've put together based on the transfer fees paid by United and City for Raheem Sterling and Bruno Fernandes, who are both stalling on contract negotiations. My bet is that Bruno's contract situation is that he's a bit fed up playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, Sterling is an interesting one. I think Sterling might very well feel underappreciated at Manchester City. And I'll say it now, I would have him back in the blink of an eye. 
I would have Raheem Sterling back at Liverpool without a single doubt because he is an outstanding footballer and he should never have been allowed to leave. Uh, Liverpool get Barcelona transfer hint for perfect Erling Haaland alternative they can hijack. Hijack Alexander Isak is the player in question. He's an outstanding young forward. You'd like to see him score more goals. That's the the one area that he needs to improve on is his goal return. But his all-round play is excellent. He's still very young, 22 years of age. Very good in the ball, big and strong, holds the ball up well. Links play well. He can dribble. He can pass. He would make a lot of sense for Liverpool if we were looking for a number nine, looking to bring in a centre forward. I think he's quite adaptable to how we play. He's definitely someone that we've looked at before. And um, it wouldn't be a surprise. I mean, he's got eight goals in 24 games this season. Last year, he got 17 in 44. The year before, he got 16 in 45. And then a season, a half season on loan at Willem Tway in, in the Eredivisie, he got 14 and 18. He had a failed spell at Dortmund, but that was more on Dortmund than him. And he was behind Aubameyang in the, in the pecking order. But look, when he was... What age was he then? 17, 16, 17. He broke through in the top flight in Sweden and scored 13 goals in 29 games. So goals are there. He's shown he can get goals. It's just about you know doing it consistently. And um, I, I wouldn't be against it. The fee will be high, but I, I certainly wouldn't be against us bringing him to the club. Uh, finally then, on AnfieldIndex.com, there will be a new Anfield Index Pro Scouted podcast, AI Scouted, which will be out uh, this afternoon, it is myself and Carl discussing a little bit about the Arsenal game. We talked about Spurs. We talked about a bunch of things. We talked about Crystal Palace, obviously, this weekend. How impressed we both are with the change round at Palace and what kind of club they've become and what they could be in the future. So that's a good one. That's up this afternoon. There will be a post-match medium rare tonight. Guy Drinkle steps in. For Trev Downey, alongside Carl and Dave, it is Carl Wilkinson and Dave Horax stepping in for myself and Carl Madgett. Uh, so do listen to that. Um, that'll be out tonight. The Reds win. And remember that the only times Arsenal have beaten us in Jurgen Klopp's tenure as manager our one game after we'd already won the title, we're clearly still drunk and we're absolutely smacking them around the place. But Virgil and Alisson decided to prick about. And then two penalty shootouts that were actually draws. One of them was uh, the pre-season friendly known as the FA Community Shield. A one-all draw, they won on penalties. And then they beat us on penalties after a League Cup game. That ended nil-nil. So they've actually beaten us once in Jurgen Klopp's entire tenure at the club. And there was, you know, reasons that they beat us. It had very little to do with them and all to do with us. Which is a nice turnaround considering under Hodgson, under Kenny and under Brendan, we had a fairly dismal record against Arsenal overall with one punctuation mark being that 5-1 win at Anfield where Suarez put in one of the greatest performances you'll ever see by a player who doesn't score in the game. Coutinho ran amok. Sterling and Sturridge were sensational. 
And I think if you go to Anfield right now and have a look at the Anfield road end goal, the post is probably still shaking from that Luis Suarez shot that nearly broke it in half. And that's me. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.